Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Elio's original. And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I am Allie Siegel. I am Melissa Stetton. And I, producer Maria. Melissa. Yes. Look at all those patrons. So many who do we have this week we have mariana scott donna pam angela alexandra marie sarka pk man 0609 bonnie kathleen katrina Brittany, jamie ann nadia and taylor b whoa yeah it's because they're after that that Josh Groban vid. I'm telling you, in this <laughs> that's what did that's it. what it is. In this episode, uh, Josh Groban will tell us some scary stories from his uh, days on tour. Video is a Patreon exclusive, and my guess is that there's some there's some Groban heads 
in that patron list. You gropsters? Yes, a gropsters. I don't know. I'm what do a they gropster, mean? if you know what I mean. Gro- <laughs> we all know what you mean. What do they call them? Grobanites? I don't I don't know. But Grobanites? Anyways, I don't know. Just Josh and Addicts? Josh and Addicts. Josh and Addicts. <laughs> <laughs> craziest sounding. What if the, their fan are like, we're the Josh and Addicts. We're the Josh and Addicts. <laughs> um, so anyways, guys, welcome to the team. I am so excited. October is the best month, without a doubt, of the entire year. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. Wow, we're all in agreement. Wow. That's so cool. What's your second favorite month? Oh, God. December. Probably December. Yes. I think December. I think November, December. I am a fall, winter kind of bitch. Same. But. <laughs> sad girl autumn. Sad girl autumn. Hot girl summer. <laughs> hot girl summer to sad girl autumn. But this episode is all about our favorite Halloween, our favorite holiday. Nope. Let's start over. <laughs> our favorite Halloween. This episode. Is holiday. <laughs> Probably 2004 was my favorite Halloween. <laughs> This episode is all about our favorite holiday, Halloween. It's a million dollar industry, probably billion to tell you the truth. I would say billion. I would say billion. I would say more than a million. One million dollar industry. One million dollar industry. (laughs) The startup. Halloween. Your favorite. Oh boy. This is, okay. This is not going well so far. <laughs> okay. And it's the second most popular holiday after Christmas. That I believe. In 2019. <laughs> Hold on. Oh God. It's going to be like in 1704. And she's in 2019. <laughs> in 2019, Americans spent oh. <laughs> $480 million on costumes. Just for their pets alone. Whoa. Yes. Yes. I'm yeah. guilty. Yeah, guilty as charged. <laughs> guilty. Guilty as charged, baby. Now let's get into the history of Halloween from its origins with the Druids to the Romans to Ooh. now. Melissa, play that beat. Okay, let me open <laughs> Oh my God. Apple, are you listening? Or is this something you want to put on your your new and noteworthy? Okay, you get it. You get it. You get it. (laughs) All right. The origins of Halloween started 2,000 years ago in ancient Ireland. Back there, it was called Samhain, uh, spelled S A M H A. (laughs) Sorry. Sam Hain? It's pronounced Samhain. I swear I'm not on drugs or anything right now. I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay. Samhain was on October 31st. It was the beginning of the dark half of the year, a time of cold. Also a belief that the dead were coming maybe to life at this time. They were particularly powerful. The Celtic Druids would dress in costumes and gather around bonfires and offer sacrifices to kind of appease the spirits. It was believed that the barriers between the worlds during this night were the thinnest. 
And they would try to see visions of what would happen in the year to come. Because if you think about 2,000 years ago, no internet, no social media. Whoa. I know. (laughs) (laughs) No telephones. So the best way, the best way to predict the future (laughs) is by talking to these spirits over some sacrifices on a bonfire. So that's what this Samhain celebration was. It was the closing of summer and the beginning of fall, beginning of winter, and trying to predict what the next season would bring. Also, now we have heat, we have technology, we have clothing and shelter, we have a good North Face jacket that allows us to survive these cold temperatures. The winter was very different times back then. It was kind of a fearful, darker time. So they would try to commune. They did have clothing and shelter. <laughs> I know, but it wasn't. <laughs> they didn't have Canada goose down jackets. They didn't have a goose down say. jacket and an HVAC. Okay, you know what right. I mean? So, <laughs> so they would try to commune with the spirits to see what would happen in terms of the harvest and the year to come. A lot of this is from history.com, by the way. The Celts believe that on this night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds would be blurred. So there are things that they could do to talk to the ghosts. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, the Celts believed that the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids or Celtic, Celtic priests to make predictions about the future. To commemorate the event, they did their bonfires. They would burn crops and animals as sacrifices to these different deities. And the Celts would wear costumes, typically like animal heads and skins and things like that. So that's the first origin of wearing costumes around this time and communing with the dead. Then the Roman Empire starts conquering, colonizing, whatever your favorite word is. In 43 AD. (laughs) Conquering. (laughs) They start. I like colonize. Okay, great. They start colonizing a lot of this Celtic territory. And they involve two different festivals that are of Roman origin. And they kind of combine them with the Celtic celebrations. The first one is something called Feralia. And this happens in late October. It's a Roman holiday that commemorates the passing of the dead. The second was called Pomona, and this is the Roman goddess of fruit and trees, particularly apples. So that is most likely where the origin of bobbing for apples came from. Oh. Oh. From this Roman holiday of Pomona and that Roman goddess. But as the Roman Empire continued to colonize and spread Catholicism, uh, particularly around these Celtic lands, they wanted to Christianize the holiday and they changed it to All Hallows Eve and moved it to November 2nd from October 31st. There was also something, a Christian holiday called All Souls Day which also had big bonfires and parades where people would dress up as saints or angels and devils. Devils. Devils and the devils. Devils. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I don't know. There's something deeply wrong with me today. Unclear what it is, though. And this celebrated uh, the honoring of people's ancestors who had died and kind of similar to Dia de los Muertos. Then ultimately Halloween is moved back to October 31st and readopts a lot of these Celtic <laughs> traditions that it had in its roots. You're such a dumb idiot bitch, Maria. <laughs> finally, <That's> so harsh. <laughs> finally, Halloween bitch. made its way to America through colonization. And desperate American biddies believe that on Halloween, they could divine the name or appearance of their future husband by doing tricks with yarn, apple pairings, or mirrors. What? So this is when... Wait, so they could... Oh, go ahead. But I'm just confused. Oh, okay. No, well, tell me your confusion, and then hopefully I'll clarify it. Well, so what would they... What do you mean with pairs? Let me tell you. Okay. So this is where Halloween starts to get a little horny. Is no. it's believed <laughs> it's it's believed that women can divine who their husband will be in the future by doing many traditions that sometimes we still have today. For example, in particular, many young women believed in 18th century century Ireland that a matchmaking cook could bury a ring in mashed potatoes on Halloween night. And that her true love would be lured to come to dinner and find it. What? Something that I don't believe we do anymore. I've never heard of a Halloween mashed potato tradition, but who knows? It's like close encounters (laughs) of the third kind mashed potatoes. Yes. In Scotland, fortune tellers believe that eligible young women could name a hazelnut for each of her suitors and then toss the nuts into the fireplace. The nut. Yes. The nut. This is Todd. (laughs) This is Gary. This is John. (laughs) The nut that burned to ashes rather than popping or exploding represented the girl's future husband. Oh, oh, that's so fun. I love that. Can you imagine how fun that would be to like have a bonfire and throw in yes. the w- hazelnuts? Have all your girlfriends over to name some nuts yeah. and see what, it, what happens. <laughs> name yeah. some nuts. Nut yeah. naming. Some nut name. naming. That'd be a fun bachelorette party game. <laughs> that is fun. Yes. Unless you put in the one nut that was named like the fiance and then that one exploded like as soon as some oh. like they put it in and then everyone screamed i have and they said you can't marry him i have a question you know almond joy sometimes you feel like a nut sometimes you don't i'm aware do you think that that's where <laughs> do you think that that's where this came from um uh, oh hold on one second i bet i bet my i bet my, I bet my hold on i think bell. my prozac is being delivered hold on yeah, I don't know if that, um, I don't think so. I think the only thing in common is maybe nuts, but I think yeah. that that, yeah. I would say that's a no, but. I don't know if I've ever had a, ha- I don't know if I've had a hazelnut on its own. Have you ever had a hazelnut? I don't even know what a hazelnut would look like. I think I have. They're, they're round, right? It's what Nutella's made out of, hazelnuts. Right. Yeah, but have you eaten one, like, whole? Have you ever, like, had a handful no, I don't of think, I don't think you pop a hazelnut in your mouth, I don't think. Okay, so you can use a hazelnut to find your husband. Another thing you can do is 
Women ate a sugary concoction made out of walnuts, hazelnut, and nutmeg. If you eat it before bed on Halloween, apparently you will dream of your future husband. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> another good one. Then another, Maria, to answer your apple question, young women would toss apple peels over their shoulders and apparently it would land in the initials of their future husband. That's oh, fun, too. These are all fun games. Yeah. Exactly. And the rituals were very competitive, and women would start having Halloween parties. Single women would find would do Halloween parties where they would dress up and play all these sad, lonely bitch games were trying to divine their husbands. <laughs> fun. So this is part of the origin of where Halloween parties came from. Oh, wow. Single and they women. were like women parties. So it was like single women just chilling together, like throwing, nu- fun. throwing nuts in the fire. And that's cool. They're throwing apple peels over their shoulders, you know, <laughs> eating nutmeg concoctions before bed. <laughs> yeah. Trying to have some sweet dreams of Ernie from next door. <laughs> Melissa, play this tune. <laughs> Great song. <laughs> 21 million views. Wow. I know. Isn't it so crazy? The Monster Mash is my favorite song for the whole entire year. It's yeah. so good. You put it on anytime you I put think, it on, it works. It's fun. Yeah, exactly. I think Bruno Mars should do a Halloween song. Oh. I think that would bring him to like next level, like just fame. That's a great idea. Why Bruno? Because I just feel he ha- he could do like a really fun Halloween vibe. I think he could make it like a really fun Halloween dance party song. It would be like half thriller, half monster mash. I think that that's honestly, if someone were to say, describe Bruno Mars, I'd say he's half thriller, half monster mash. I agree. I see it. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe Josh, one of our guests for today, can do a <laughs> operatic monster mash or yeah, something. Josh, yeah, Josh, why don't you do an an operatic monster mash. Yes, for all the Joshanatics out for there. For the Joshanatics. <laughs> for all the Joshanatics. <laughs> now, you're probably asking yourself right now, hmm, I'm Maria. Why do people wear costumes on Halloween? Where did that come from? And I'll say, Maria, that's a good question. I'd really love to answer it for you right now. <laughs> people initially would dress as spirits or things from the dark side in hopes that they would stay away from you so that you could just blend in with all the ghosts and monsters that were out oh. for the night. So the Celtic Druids during that time, they would dress up as ghosts in hopes that this ghost won't notice me. It'll also think I'm a ghost. It's like mm. in The Walking Dead. I was going to say in The Walking yes. Dead. Yes, when they rub zombie on, on them. <laughs> yeah. And then you just and walk like this. And they're like, oh, a fellow yeah. zombie? Oh, yes. fellow zombies? So at first they were they were walking deading themselves. But then it became, it took a little, a lot of different incarnations. There was something called souling. And this started from All Souls Day. And it's this belief that your loved ones could be trapped in purgatory. So it was the purpose of you, their relatives on Earth, 
to pray for them so that they could move on. And beggars and kids would go house to house in costume so that people didn't know who the beggars were and say, in exchange, if you give me some food, I'll pray for people in your family who have passed on to ensure that they go on to heaven. So it was this exchange of, A, people being in costumes because they didn't want their community to know that they needed money. B, the exchange of something for food. And then C, this idea of ghosts existing and that kind of exchange. So that was where initially the costumes and the treats kind of originated. Hmm. The earliest masks were all handmade. They were made of like cotton and muslin. If you Google 1930s kids Halloween, it's some of the scariest. It's eerie. It's some of the scariest pictures you've ever seen in your life. Oh, no. There is nothing scarier than a 30s Halloween, a 30s or 20s Halloween. Because it's just people with, it's just kids in, it's just kids in normal clothes with these terrifying homemade paper mache masks yeah it's a lot to take in it's almost it's almost just not your brain can't even process it no it's it seems like the scariest movie you could watch today (laughs) why haven't they done a scary movie why haven't they done a scary movie with like 1930s halloween that would be the scariest i don't know they really really should but the first the first Halloween masks in the 30s were people being pumpkins or clowns or ghosts made very rudimentary, which led it to be even more terrifying. Yeah. In the 40s and 50s, fairy tale characters and cowboys became very popular. Then in the 1970s, when TV and movies became incredibly popular, people began only doing pop culture costumes. And in the 80s, the most popular costumes were the California Raisins. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Spuds McKenzie. Uh-huh. Nixon and Tammy Faye Baker. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Now, trick-or-treating started to become a bit of a troublesome problem. Because of all the razor blades in the candy, right? Oh, we will be getting there. But this is even before <laughs> that. This is the trick part. In 1930s is when the trick starts coming up. Kids would raise hell on Halloween, and it became more about pranks and vandalism than treats. In 1910, an entire entire Iowa town was almost decimated. The main street was covered in things that the kids had moved. So the entire main street was covered in bathtubs, outhouses, carriages, furniture, because during the night, all the kids had dressed up in costumes and moved everything from inside the house and around town just to the middle of the street as a trick. Cool prank. (laughs) Cool prank. And this became something called mischief night, also known as cabbage night, the devil's night and doorbell night. Which I had never heard of. Have Did you guys have that growing yeah, up? Yeah, the Maria, night before Halloween. Yeah, I didn't. Maria, we didn't have that in LA, Devil's right? Night. No. no, we didn't have that. We did not have that in the no, palace. It's when <laughs> you went like uh, toilet papering people's houses. It was the night before Halloween. 
That happened every day in the palace. That happened any <laughs> night in the Palisades. <laughs> Wait, night. Melissa, that's so crazy because they were talking about this like it was a known thing that happens everywhere that the day before Halloween is a holiday. Oh, yeah. And I had never heard of this. So apparently... So weird. Devil's Night or Cabbage Night, Mischief Night, it's the night before Halloween and it's dedicated for pranks. It's when you egg houses, soap cars, and TP... Hell yeah. Trees... Play ding dong ditch, what have you? <laughs> oh yeah, we did all that. But isn't that just Halloween? I, I don't I understand. Why is there another? Why is there another day? Because it's fun, girl. I don't know. <laughs> in the in the fun. I've never done a cabbage night. I'm not a freak. What is cabbage <laughs> night? They just throw cabbage at people's houses. That must be it. Let's see how what's the origin of the name. I was watching this documentary. They make borscht. I wish. Uh, f- they fling rotten cabbages against houses. <laughs> what a, such an old timey prank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I would do that. That seems funny. In the 80s, Devil's Night in Detroit, Michigan got so out of hand. Oh, it yeah. was almost like the purge. Arsonists set the city on fire. 200 fires were set all around the city, and they almost moved to cancel Halloween and make it illegal to practice. Oh, yeah. Detroit was always like a big devil's night. Like, shit went crazy there. We always heard about all... That's why... I think that's why in Michigan it was like a big thing. Yeah, devil's night got so out of hand in Detroit that they almost were like, okay, Halloween's not a holiday anymore. (laughs) Again, we also all know about this... Old Wives' Tale, which actually isn't an old wives' tale about unsafe candy for trick-or-treaters. Poison, razor blades, needles, broken glass being found in Halloween candy during the 80s. There's something called the Candyman murder in Pasadena where someone was poisoned through pixie sticks. A dad poisoned A dad poisoned his kids. <gasps> we are going what? to have the fantastic... Spencer Henry of the Cult Leader podcast, fantastic podcast. He is going to come on and tell us all about these trick-or-treat candy nonsense debacles. Exciting. So let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back with Spencer. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, bonus videos, and more. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. It just takes as little as $2 a month to become a patron. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. When you do, we will read your review on our mailbag episodes. If it's five stars, that is. Also, probably if it's one star, but please just make it five <laughs> don't, star. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not incentive. Also, please continue to call our hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. And we will continue to play them on our mailbag as well. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now back to our program. Now we have Spencer Henry of the Cult Leader and Obituary podcast spelled bitch, which I'm obsessed with. That's funny. Amazing. That podcast talks about obscure, bizarre and scathing obituaries, which is hilarious. Cult Leader does crimes, true crime, paranormal everything exciting that we love. He is going to tell us about the trick part of trick-or-treating. Ooh. Yes, exactly. And whether or not this urban legend of deadly Halloween candy is fact or fiction. Spencer, thank you so much for joining us today. We are huge fans of your podcast, as I just uh, gushed about before uh you had a great episode about the trick part of trick or treat and i am curious you say that this almost started at the industrial revolution this is not something that just started in the 80s like satanic panic sure yeah so i mean this has been going on i mean it's a bit of an urban legend that i think that's why i wanted to look into it because i feel like every year i remember being little i'm sure all of you can agree we've heard stories of like tainted halloween candy and like we all had one weird neighbor who were like don't take the candy from that (laughs) house (laughs) yeah and so i just wanted to start looking into it for this episode and i was like oh shit this dates back super far like industrial revolution era i mean i am no history buff but that's (laughs) apparently when the beginnings of this were um when everything was starting to be more manufactured and it was less like made in somebody's kitchen at home um and i and there's rumors or there's been allegations before that part of this was put on by the people behind the manufacturers to get people to buy like their manufactured candy versus buying Big it. candy. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's actually a really smart tactic to just say everyone else's homemade shit is poisoned. That's why you need it's to. It's full of razor blades. <laughs> buy our prepackaged Snickers. Yeah, buy, buy Twix. Before Big Pharma, there was <laughs> wow. Big Candy, so. <laughs> big, big miniature candy. Uh-huh. There are more popular cases from more current times that are crazy. My favorite one, 1959, Fremont, you talked about this whack-ass dentist. Oh, William Shine, Dr. Shine. (laughs) Yes, Dr. Shine. (laughs) What What did this guy do? Oh, my God. Okay, so October 31st. 
1959, Dr. Shine, who is just a a local (laughs) dentist in Fremont, California, um, handed out over 400 pieces of candy that were coated with laxatives to the trick-or-treaters. Which, (laughs) yeah, I mean, there was no... There was no, like, serious injuries or anything with that one, but that one's one of my favorites as well, because I'm just like, it is so fucking weird that a grown man handed out laxatives to little kids. Yes, because what's the point? It's not some sadistic killer thing where he's like, I want to murder people. He just wanted to make kids shit. Like, what... What's the end goal? Who knows? I, well, and then it, I went into the whole moral dilemma in my head. I'm like, okay, do dentists like candy or do dentists not like yes. candy? Like, is, is candy a friend of dentists because it gives kids cavities, gives them something to do? Or do they not like it? Oh, interesting. I never came to a conclusion. Don't sometimes dentists, when you're a kid, hand out a lollipop at the end of the appointment? Or is that just regular I feel doctors? like that's like a barber or like a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> That was at the bank. That's an old tiny barber. <laughs> I don't know what dentist you're it. going to, but at my dentist, that would never happen. We got a toothbrush, some fucking floss, and maybe yeah. a little toothpaste. Yeah, you're right. I was like, don't all dentists hand out laxatives, <laughs> or was that just mine? He wasn't working alone either. He had that nurse with him. Her name was Hazel Ingleby. And yes. which is also bizarre to me because I'm like they're co-conspirators in giving kids laxative ridden candy. Like why? <laughs> what is the point behind that? So we are. I mean, maybe they just hated. Kids. There's got to be some sort of trauma that there's a trauma they're enacting, and I can't. I don't know what it is. Also, I never realized pixie sticks are a hugely dangerous theme in these in this lore. Yes. Oh. Oh, you can put literally anything Whatever in there. Whatever you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, they're supposed to be, at that point in time, like in the 70s, 80s and everything um, that I talk about in the episode, they're supposed to be heat sealed because they came in those like big plastic tubes yes, or whatever. Right. But people... People did some dangerous stuff with pixie sticks. The first case you talk about is this guy or this kid, Kevin, in Texas. Or no, are, are, he was in Kevin Detroit. In the O'Brien fa- Excuse me, Kevin in Detroit. What happened there? He was the one. It's actually really sad. So he was five years yeah. old and they took him to the hospital because he came home from trick-or-treating. He ate a pixie stick. He ended up going into like a comatose state. Jesus. And then they tested some of the candy that he had brought home from trick-or-treating, and they realized that there was this mixture of, it was a very potent mixture of heroin that had been cut with uh, quinine. (gasps) And it, it was odd because authorities, I think when that happened, were all like, well, that's kind of strange because who would like an addict isn't going to waste their supply by putting it on trick or treat candy. (laughs) And then a dealer is obviously not going to, you know, waste the time doing that. Heroin can be pricey. I've heard. And it's, um, yeah. So it was, it was really odd to them and it stuck out to them, but basically what ended up happening was that his, he had actually, this five-year-old kid had gotten into his uncle's heroin supply ingested some of it died and then the family tried to cover it up by sprinkling the powder onto some of his halloween candy 
head. Jesus Christ. Horrible. And that's the thing that I learned from listening to your podcast is a lot of these are kind of inside jobs. Yes. That have created this lore. I mean, the dentist is something separate, but a lot of these are familial issues of kind of self poisoning. Yeah. Uh, this happened this happened again. It was the O'Brien family in Texas, right? Also awful. Yeah. So that was in Houston, Texas, and it's probably one of the more well-known stories around like tampered Halloween candy. Um this was another pixie stick incident. Yeah. Um Ugh. but this time <laughs> there was there there should have been multiple victims. However, there was only one, but basically what happened is this dad and this neighbor dad, they all took their kids trick-or-treating. When they got home that night, one of the kids, this kid Timothy O'Brien, like begs his dad to let him have a piece of Halloween candy. And he's like, yeah, well, why don't you have one of these pixie sticks? And so Jesus. he helps Timothy open up the pixie stick. Timothy tastes it and he's like, oh, it's super bitter. And so the dad, Ronald O'Brien, pours him a glass of Kool-Aid to just kind of counteract the bitter taste that they were having and sends him off to bed. But less than an hour later, Timothy was found convulsing on the bathroom floor. He was like throwing up super sick. He's an eight year old. Um, The dad calls an ambulance. The ambulance takes him away and he ends up passing away. But um, it turns out that the dad had actually been the one that, laced the pixie sticks with cyanide he handed them out to both of his children as well as neighborhood three other neighborhood children and they found this out because the authorities start looking into the dad like because obviously they're going to look at the people closest to the deceased and they found out that he had i I don't remember the exact number but he had like taken out an additional twenty thousand dollar life insurance policies on both of his children (gasps) before Before, oh my god before like a, a month or something before halloween so that was like fully planned <laughs> that's so suspicious yeah. what are you doing on kids like <laughs> i always wonder that like <laughs> yeah. especially when it comes to like homicides invi- involving spouses i'm like do you not realize how guilty it looks taking out like a million dollar life insurance policy on your wife before she mysteriously dies a month later like how do you not you gotta wait wait a year wait it yeah, out wait, a- wait two years it's this- they should always flag it anytime someone takes out a life insurance policy on anyone the cops should flag it and initially like begin investigating ASAP. well and how are people not like I guess I feel like both parties, all parties involved should have to be there for the signing. I'm like, if if my partner wanted to take out a life insurance policy on me, I'd be like, hey, wait a minute. I'd like to review this and sign it. That's crazy. That's also, I never even thought of that. I wonder if that's a thing that everyone has to be there and maybe the wife is just oblivious that like, oh, we're taking out another life insurance policy. This doesn't mean he's going to kill me. It's the Erica Girardi syndrome of... I'm just uh-huh. letting, which I know so many people like that, that their husbands handle handle the finances and they're just kind of like, whatever, like, I think we're good, we're protected, whatever, but they actually don't know what's happening. Or is it like mm. that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Do we? Okay, we, we don't have to get into Erica right now, but I was like, <laughs> do we think Erica. Erica's guilty or no? I think yes. Do you uh, think yes? I don't know. I think she maybe had an inkling. Of yes. what that the, there was I, suspicious yeah. stuff happening, but I don't know if she actually knew 
what exactly was going on. I, I, yeah, I don't think she knew the extent of it. I think she knew something off was going on. But I think she was just like, oh, he handles the finances, whatever. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think she was like a hundred percent involved. But I think to this day, she still feels trapped by the whole situation these car flipping stories like not everyone can flip their car every day i just it's getting too much it's getting snowing flipping cars yeah i thank god that we have four episodes of a reunion because i need it well and they're good and they're like i was scared sorry this is going so off track but i was scared that part one was gonna go like just be very basic not get it but they really started getting into stuff right away so i'm like hoping and anticipating that part two three and four are gonna be fucking like lit someone's gonna flip a table you know it's gonna get bad <laughs> i cannot i cannot wait it's gonna get so good erica's gonna like not show up to one of the reunions she's gonna like my trailer flipped over in the back parking lot at warner brothers studios yes. and <laughs> i don't know it started snowing and i got blizzarded in and i'm sorry i just couldn't make it i was it. unconscious for 12 <laughs> yeah. hours yeah. <laughs> then I had to get surgery on my ankle, ankle. and I just sorry Andy because <laughs> I'm an athlete ankle surgery <laughs> um, oh hopefully oh you guys God. listen hopefully you guys watch I'm sure you guys do um, okay the last one 2000 Minneapolis Minneapolis that's my favorite Apolis of all the Apolis um, James yeah James Joseph Smith Another pixie stick incident, right? This come on. <laughs> this yes. one was actually a Snickers related incident. Oh, fu- oh, okay. This is yes. Okay, you're mm-hmm. right. You're right. You're We're right. going of more. Of course, you're right. <laughs> of course, I'm famously wrong all the time. I'm famously wrong all the time. We're going the okay, nougat route. So this happened in Minneapolis. There was this forty. 40- yes, not Minneapolis. <laughs> not mi- it was the Minneapolis. Uh, That's the sick incident. I was thinking of yes, the much smaller one, the the fun size yes, one. Yes. Um, so there was this 49-year-old guy named James Joseph Smith, and that is, that's his real name, but I always, it made me think of, yeah, like... Yeah, that's like super Mormon, right? <laughs> yeah. So he actually, so he he handed out uh, candy bars to the trick-or-treaters, but inside of those Snicker bars that he passed out was needles that he had put in there. Ah. <sighs> And so <laughs> that's crazy. I know. I um I I remember I found an article on it and it was it was talking about the incident and basically they charged him with one count of adulterating a substance with the intent to cause death, harm or illness, but um I I don't really think anything happened to him. Uh he handed out the candy as far as I know there was one 14-year-old who bit into one of the bars and got struck by the needle. They they said struck by the needle struck. in the article. Um <laughs> oh. but did not need medical attention, but they found four other teenagers that also had found needles in their candy once they started eating them. But I'm just like I'm like you're so fucking weird for that. I'm like that's yeah, that's bizarre. What's were they full size Snickers or were they like fun size? Because like, how big are these needles? Are they sewing <laughs> I'm needles? Thinking, or I'm were they like sewing no? It's fucking knitting needles, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. nobody saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
like skewered. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, once I once Uh-oh. was eating a sandwich and I didn't realize that there was a um, what are those little wood things? A finger? No, <laughs> not a finger. You know when there's like the, a toothpick? I didn't realize there was a toothpick in the sandwich holding it together, and I put the, I ate a bite of the sandwich mm. and the toothpick went in my mouth just because I'm an idiot and it hurt. So I imagined it hurt, but not deadly. Not not deadly. So yeah. So I feel like just to make this about me, <laughs> just so I can relate personally to yeah. this. Um, no, but I think it's most of the cases that have happened. I mean, I think it is overall just an urban legend, but out of yeah. most of the cases that it's happened have been cover ups for something else. Yeah, I think like the right. main takeaway from this is don't trust your parents because they're trying to kill you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And if your dad takes out a life insurance policy on you, you fucking steer clear for a little bit. Yeah, you better you better run. Do not receive do not accept pixie sticks from your dad. No. No matter what, no matter how delicious they look. Um Spencer, where can people find your podcast, you online if you want to be found, any of that kind of stuff? So I, I have two podcasts. I have Cult Leader, which is more about just like cults and crime and all of that good stuff. And then Obituary is my other podcast, which is oh, and then the word bituary. And that yeah. one we read just crazy obituaries, scathing obituaries, all kinds of stuff over there. Um, Love it. So you, you can find those where wherever you're listening now. <laughs> wherever, just put your ear up to a seashell and yeah, just wait find for the it. podcast to start. <laughs> you'll find it. <laughs> Spencer, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, you got to come on again. You have the best episodes and we are a huge fan. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I love you guys. This was so much fun. Wanted to get a little bit into the origin of egging and TPing houses real quick. Ooh, sure. Surprisingly, there's a whole article on this on Mel Magazine, a a messy history of egging and toilet papering houses. And it all started with this devil's night. The act of throwing, it says, raw eggs at people has been around since the Middle Ages when prisoners were put in stocks and pelted with eggs for humiliation. Then in Elizabethan times, theatergoers would show disapproval for performances by throwing rotten vegetables like cabbages or eggs. Uh-huh. Apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger was once hit with an egg while running for governor, <laughs> which I Whoa. did not know. So this became an easy, cheap, plentiful way to show your disapproval mm-hmm. in something Messy, hard to clean up. As for toilet papering, it says that's a newer phenomenon since the 1850s. It's cheap, easily obtained by anyone. It can't cause actual damage, mostly. It's just annoying to clean up. It's just annoying. Especially if it rains after the toilet paper's up. Oh, it's a mess. Oh, that's bad. We Our house got teepeed. Our house got teepeed. Really? Well, it was out of fun. Yeah, it was. Well, I'm telling you, the Palisades was a teepee, was teepee, was a teepee zone. <laughs> oh my god! Actually, that's true. I remember my brothers used to go teepee their friends' houses and stuff. It was like a thing. Yeah, it was not a Halloween thing. It was like just. It was literally like your house got teepeed like once a year, and that was that. Someone shot paintballs at my house. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, that's a little bit more intense. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I lived in a, a not a great neighborhood. <laughs> 
You're like, someone shot me once. Is that similar to being yeah, egg? <laughs> May I just uh, um, uh, come in really quickly with, uh, have you heard about Elizabeth um, Krebs? No. Well, who is that? Who's that? Well, she's considered the founder of modern Halloween. We did, uh, we did a drunk history on it with Alison Tolman playing Elizabeth Krebs. And I just remembered it. Like, as you were saying, it was like, oh, and what happened was... She lived in Kansas. I'm just rereading this now. And like, basically, she saw that people would go wild on Halloween. And basically, she created like the kid version of Halloween as we see it today because they kept ruining her garden. She had like this really nice garden. And every Halloween, she'd realize that like all these kids were like causing mischief. So she was like, okay, hold on. Let me like make this night. Let me like set out games and like things for kids to do and like created like this like Halloween kind of atmosphere in the town. And so then it gave the kids something to do. And like the, I think like trick or treat came out of it. Like those those words. Oh, um, wow. um, eventually it morphed into the way we all celebrate Halloween today and much in North America with adults having costume parties, towns having parades and our children saying trick or treat door to door. And it was because this woman in kansas just didn't want people trampling over her garden what a positive karen (laughs) (laughs) i know she took she took something that really like you know made her upset and she said you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna gripe over this i'm not gonna speak to the manager yeah i'm gonna do something about it (laughs) i'm gonna make up i'm gonna have a party yes yeah instead of talking to the manager i'm gonna have a party what a cool, <laughs> what a cool lady. That's, what's her name again? Elizabeth Krebs. Her name is Elizabeth Krebs. It was in Hiawatha, Kansas back in 1912. So basically she threw a huge Halloween party at her house for the town's children. She had treats, games, and fun planned for them. Several kids came to Elizabeth's party. And then it basically the next, this was the first year. The next morning she woke up, her garden was fine. She said, okay, I'm going to do it next year too. What a fun, <laughs> fun lady. I I want to be Elizabeth Krebs for Halloween. She created, then she organized a townwide Halloween parade with events, games, costume contests. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a fun woman. You want an Elizabeth Krebs in your town. You yeah. want an Elizabeth Krebs in your town. No, you know what? Be the Elizabeth Krebs in your town. <laughs> be the Elizabeth so Krebs true. you want to so in the see. world to see in the world. Be the Elizabeth <laughs> Krebs so you want true. to see in the world. Absolutely. Now, to sign off this episode, we have a spooky story with friend of the pod, Joshua Joshanatic Robin. He's going to tell us <laughs> some actual terrifying stories from when he was on tour and saw and felt some actual ghosts. Ooh. So, pretty spooky stuff. So, to wrap up this episode, strap in. Turn off the lights, especially if you're driving. Light a candle. Turn off your car light. <laughs> Turn off your car. Stop in the middle of the road and listen to this. <laughs> okay, well, I am so excited. today. I'm medium excited. Today we have my friend, friend of the podcast, Josh Groban here, a famed model um yeah. <laughs> model <laughs> actor comedian singer in that order yes singer uh hi josh uh thank you for thinking of me in that order it was a line from zoolander yeah i'm a real i'm a i'm a real hyphenated wunderkind i'm a, I'm a swiss army knife of things 
Um, well, one, one of those four things I'm sure is true, but um, thank you. I love the podcast and I love spooky things and mysteries and conspiracies and all that. So I very much have been enjoying uh, listening to you guys do the, do the pod and um, thank you for having me on. Oh my God, of course. So um, Josh has some spooky stories of his own and I was dying to have him on. And finally he said yes, after I threatened him. You were dying to have me on. Yeah. We'll be using spooky puns throughout the, uh, <laughs> yeah. throughout the interview. Josh, I know nothing of this story. So this is going to be a surprise. Yeah. All my reactions will be authentic. Okay. I have two and I'll tell the first one first. And then you tell me if you want a second course, because in my line of work, I do so much traveling and I stay in so many hotels and 99% of the time, it's very mundane. It's very right. homogenized. Every hotel looks the same. Every hotel window looks the same. I try to get out as much as possible because otherwise it's just like, it's the same decor. It's the same, it's comforting, but at the same time, really nothing very exciting. Every so often you get put in a hotel that has a really rich history. That's been there a very, very long time. And I will preface these stories by saying that I had no inkling that there was a possibility that there was some haunting going on at these hotels before I got there. So there was no like, oh, I'm going to get haunted tonight. Like, you know, those guys that with the, with the, the night vision goggles and, right. you know, a spider crawls on the wall and they think it's everything they could have possibly wanted to see. Your so, team doesn't give you a heads up like, hey, this place is haunted, FYI. <laughs> I had no clue. And so I was fully expecting to be in the 99% of mundane just homogenized hotel evenings. And so, okay. So the first one, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, which um, very, very haunted city. A lot of old buildings, a lot of stuff has gone down in that city. And uh, another thing I'll say is that, is that being like the star on the tour, uh, sometimes you get upgraded to like their big, giant, way too big room if nobody's staying in it like every so often they'll be like hey, mr Grubin, the presidential suite is available and we've done the liberty <laughs> you know i don't i don't like big rooms i like to see all four walls right i'm i'm easily creeped out i just i don't need it i like cozy i like small so um so i'm in this giant room and there's this dining room and there's this giant four poster wooden creaky bed with like an old velvet um comforter like the kind you see like when you do a tour of a castle and you'll see like oh louis the 14th bed here and it's like oh that's old velvet yeah yes um yeah old velvet always haunted uh so you know i'm just i'm having it you know, it's just normal headroom service watched a movie so i'm i'm laying in bed and i'm fast asleep and now sometimes admittedly, I can be kind of an active sleeper. I'm known sometimes to like get out of bed and have a little anxious dream and walk around a little bit. Sometimes I talk in my sleep. Um, for all the skeptics out there, that's possible. I mean, it's entirely possible I was moving around a little bit while I was sleeping. But here's the thing. You, I, I'll interject for a second. You actually have sent me a recording once of you talking in your sleep and you said the word, right. I think you said the word potato, I think. That's it right. Was <laughs> it was, it was um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you're sponsored by the Sleep Talk app, by the way, but um, highly recommended, fun for the whole family. Uh, also, great way to capture ghost voices. If you if you pre presume that maybe perhaps your house is haunted, it will pick up any abnormal noise while you're sleeping. So, you know, that's because it's supposed to catch you sleep talking. But all of a sudden, if you hear like, get out, you know, then you'll know <laughs> it will catch that too. Uh, also, we'll catch uh, sleep farts. Anyway, um, so 
so I'm laying there and uh, the lights are, are out and all of a sudden I get whacked on my head. I mean, I get hit on my head. I would say like with the strength of like, if a four-year-old used all his strength, like it was not light, it wasn't right. going to hurt me, but it was like, it was, it was a, it was a whack on my head and oh my God. followed by the sound of something that hit me laying on the ground. Um, you know, my fight or flight was like, shit, someone's in the room. I immediately got up, turned on the light, saw, looked down and it was, um, you know, in the old four poster beds, there are bed knobs. There's like the long and there's the long poster. And then there's like an ornament that screws into the top of that poster. Right. Um, bed knobs and broomsticks. Great. Great movie, <laughs> by the way. Um, but these were wooden. There were these wooden kind of ornamental wooden bed knobs that were screwed in. So, of course, I see the wooden bed knob is next to my head. And I look up to see if the wooden bed knob that is above my head fell off onto my head. Maybe it was in there very loose. I don't know. Um, nope. Fully, fully in, fully screwed in. Every bed knob was screwed in tightly. Um, there was one bed knob missing and that was the bed knob from down by my right foot, which in a King bed is a long ways away yeah. from my head. And if I'm sleeping right up against the, the back of the bed, it's like I was trying to recreate it. I was like moving around in the bed and I was, there's no way, if anything, it falls out, makes a little noise. There's no way that that thing travels to my head No, and, and hits me there and lands on the floor. Someone would have to pick it up like a human or a ghost would have to pick it up and bonk you. Yes. So I, of course, was just done for the rest of the night. I turned on all the lights turn on the TV, um, like watch dumb comedy on my phone. Like I yeah. just was trying to just get through the night. Um, I eventually dozed off, went back to sleep. Everything was fine. I decided because I'm always looking for funny stories on stage and stuff. I stole, I was also kind of mad. Mm-hmm. I stole the bed knob. I put it, <laughs> I put it in my, in my backpack and I took it to the venue and I'm like, cool, this will be a good, this will be a good tale to tell um, yeah. on stage. So I told the story on stage. There were a couple of people from the hotel that were at the show. Oh, no. <laughs> they, asked, they asked to come backstage to retrieve their uh, bed knob. <laughs> and my tour manager is like, they need, they need that back. They were there and they sound like, yeah, sure. Sure. I did my piece. There you go. Um, so while they were there retrieving the bed knob, they went ahead and told me that. Um, so, uh, you know, the hotels, so the hotel has had some, some hauntings in the past. Um, long story short, long story long now, in the late 80s, early 90s, there was supposed to be a wedding at the hotel. The um, groom was killed in a car accident on the way to the hotel. The bride, in her grief, fell, uh, jumped down the elevator shaft, killed herself. Um, people have reported seeing and experiencing a very, very angry woman. And that was supposed to be their honeymoon suite. So like in my mind, I'm piecing it together. Like if you're, if you're thinking about like the hours, you know, like spoiler alert, like she doesn't know. And I'm just some stranger in the room. Oh my God. This is insane. I, I turned 
even paler than I am now, which is damn near impossible. <laughs> but it, it, it was, I was so glad I did. Cause sometimes you do a show and then you go back to the hotel and you have to stay another night. Oh yeah. I was going to ask that. So happy to get the hell out of there. I was, yeah, that, that really, that spooked me out. Well, it's crazy that this happened to you. And then you found out that there's an actual legitimate yeah. backstory that like substantiates what you went through. I, I've had things happen like in my travels where I've, you know, I've decided that it's probably not worth a story because I can think of a reason why that would have happened or it was just right. being spooked out or just was my imagination or something. But these two stories are, are where I experienced something very real and then unsolicited. Somebody said to me, this is the reason you might have experienced this. Um, that's, that's pretty cool to me. I'm not somebody who, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not like you guys. I don't like studying this <laughs> stuff all the time. No, I, I do love this stuff, but I don't, seek it out but i will say to interject you are a pisces king and that's true i'm a pisces pisces yeah what's your third oh i gotta find out what my third is it possible to be a pisces 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 absolutely 100 (laughs) percent. i had i did do the whole chart um and i i have it i'll i'll text it to you i forgot what my third is you're in tune or like more in tune with this kind of stuff the person who read all that stuff for me who was somebody who was really 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 good yeah um definitely said that I'm like in like people like there will be attempts to channel with me. Like there will be times where you will feel more sensitively things from that realm. Yeah. I think for sure, like as a human and then also like the paranormal stuff too. I mean, it's just like, it's part of being a Pisces. It's part of the bag. You know, I was scared and angry that I got assaulted, but, um, but, um, as somebody who has always been kind of like an agnostic, you know, kind of somebody who's spiritually has always been very much like, well, I don't know. And I'm okay not knowing. And, but there's a lot of possibilities and I'd like to believe that there are other things and that there's not just nothing after this. Right. I'd also like to believe that if we have trauma or, or, or tragedy in our lives that we don't just spin in the same telling of those stories every day, like that poor woman and and her fiance. So I don't know. Energies can work in different ways. I'm sure you've talked to people and listened to interviews where um, the idea of just kind of leftover energy can can manifest itself in different ways that may not have anything to do with the actual moving on of a soul or anything like that. It's just, there's so much we can't see, can't feel, don't know. And, you know, in 1800, if you told me that like, when I send you a text, it's going to go up into space and come back down to your phone. We can't see it. Now we know we can do it. There's just so much we can't sense and don't know. And I think that there's probably a lot going on there. Uh, yeah. The the idea of maybe it's not even this specific like soul or person that is just could be residual energy that leaves yeah. that like negative or heavy. Like a stamp, like, like something yes. that's tattooed in the universe. An echo. From, it's an echo. Yeah. Like an echo, like an echo. I'd like to believe that that's a, a leftover echo in that space that continues to repeat kind of those patterns. Um, that's what, I, that's what I like to believe anyway. I hope she's, I hope the two of them are up there having uh, the, the, the afterlife of their dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, now I have to hear this second story if you're up. Okay. okay. Sure. Slightly shorter. Don't worry. Um, so I was in uh, Arkansas. Okay. South, man. There's a lot of, a lot of hauntings. And uh, I was in Arkansas doing a, doing a corporate thing. I think it was. And I was in a hotel that was actually kind of felt like a newer hotel. Didn't feel, didn't feel old and creaky like the Louisville hotel, but, okay. but 
I have never in my life felt such a weird, bad energy from a space. Just, I couldn't put my finger on it, but everything about that room. And again, it was like another suite. They gave me this suite and it just felt bad. Not only that, weird electronic things were happening. The TV was going on and off without me, without me touching it. Um, the lights were weird. They would flicker. The, the, um, the temperature felt weird all the time. Like it just, everything about the room freaked me out. So I was on the top floor in one of these suites. My manager, um, we were both night owls. We were up late and talking yeah. about stuff. And he's like, Hey, I've got some papers for you to sign. Do you want me to come up? I said, no, I'll come down. I'll, I'll sign them. He says, okay. So, um, uh, he was on, I was like on floor 24. He was on floor like 10. Yeah. So I go to the elevator and I open the elevator and there's a guy standing in the elevator. This is at like 1230, probably one in the morning. And he's standing in the elevator and he looks just, I mean, he looks hungover or something. He's just like pale, pasty, blank stare, um, just kind of hanging out, not not drunk, not like obviously out of it, just like nothing. So seeing as how that elevator had come up and there's no floors above me, I let him, I said, after you, you know, to let him out first, um, didn't move, didn't say anything, just looked straight ahead, did not speak to me, did not leave. I went, okay. So I went in, I went into the elevator. I went to push floor 10. I, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm the guy in the movie where everybody would scream, don't go in there. Um, I'm the guy yelling, be right back. Yeah, you're like, you're uh, going into the I'm, basement. I'm or the definitely woods first. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely first. Um, I'll let you know how that machete feels. Uh, uh, so I go into the elevator and I go to push floor 10 and it is already pushed. The floor button was already lit up. Of all the buttons, the floor that I needed to go to was already lit. I went, huh, okay, interesting. So... The door then closes and I'm kind of like just side-eyeing this guy. You know, I took a little space and I'm just kind of getting a sense for my surrounding in the elevator. And he's just looking straight ahead. Like he's just, it's like he's there, but he's just taking a ride and has no emotion. So seeing seeing as how the button uh, was already pushed and seeing as how I'm a a Pisces Pisces, I went ahead when the door opened and assumed that he had pushed it and said, (laughs) after you. (laughs) Same response as the top floor. Didn't move, didn't blink, didn't speak, didn't do anything. Um, went, signed my things, got back in the elevator. He wasn't there, got into the room, went to sleep. TV went on or off a couple of times while I was sleeping. Uh, otherwise uneventful and was happy to be checking out. As a, like, as a joke, when I was checking out at the front desk, I was like, you know, just, just kind of, you know, being a, I was being a brat and I was just like, Hey, is your hotel haunted? You know? And, um, the guy kind of looks at me and he goes, uh, what, why, why, why do you ask? And oh, I said, God. Oh, no reason. I just got, I didn't get specifics. I said, I just got kind of a creepy, I don't know. Got a, it was a young guy. I was like, I knew it wasn't, I wasn't like talking to the manager. Right. I was like, I was just kind of shooting the shit with this guy. And it's like, I just got a, I don't know. I got a weird, I, it was a college town. I knew he was in college somewhere. And just like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. He kind of looks, kind of looks both ways. And he goes, um, so there have been many instances during the last many years where uh, people have reported seeing a ghost in the elevator. I wanted to throw up. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, in the, just in the, in the elevator. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the specifics, but they've said like, they've had really creepy experiences and visions like in the elevator. I'm like, "Mm -hmm." 
cool. My heart, I'm not <laughs> kidding. My heart is like in my throat. I, because again, Allie, like what we think of as energy and like just the skeptic mind is how could something not still of this earth yeah. manifest itself like a whole human? Yeah, I was going to say, I've never, I mean, I've heard of it before, but the fact that it was just like so tangible and there and like. I, the skeptic in me says one in the morning, college town, somebody was wasted going up and down the elevator. Um, and it just happened to coincide uh, with that, you know, somebody saying that. And it's just like, there's lots of coincidences, but all of those things combined to me. And then my heart did the same thing when he told me that uh, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a story. Make of it what you will. But that, that happened. And it felt very, very strange. And um, even when somebody is drunk, or high, or out of it, they still respond in some way yes. when you talk to them, you know, totally. they, yeah, they, they'll, they'll be a person. They'll be not, maybe not a person you want to be standing around, but yeah. you know, they will be a person. This person was not like a person. They were just like there. And it was as if like uh, a Westworld robot was just standing there and hadn't switched on. Oh, so yeah, it was, uh, you know, that was, that was creepy. Those are my stories. Did you have to sleep at the hotel that night? After nope. your co- no, okay. we were checking out onto the bus. Yep. We were done. We were, we were thankfully uh, very, very done. Good. Um, but uh, yeah. That's crazy. Well, those are, as I'm like, I'm for everyone who's just listening and on the Patreon, I just, I just pick my nose a little bit. Um, so, <laughs> which is a good What's the joke? What's the joke about the ghost putting a little boogie in it or something? Or how you... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, those are some of the best ghost stories we've ever heard. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. That, yeah. And I'm not just saying that. Um, if do you have just because I always like to, I mean, I know that things are hard for you right now, and I want to. My podcast is doing so well, so do you want to promote anything that's going on? Just so you know, <laughs> it might help your career if you want to promote. Yes. You know, any music? Thank you for thank you for picking up what I was throwing out there. Um, yeah, uh, Groban's Ghoulish Gallivanting uh, is the new <laughs> is the new program that I've developed. Uh, we will be going to Arkansas, to uh, Kentucky. And we'll be reliving, yes. reliving. Bring your sleeping bags. We will be doing seances. We'll be really trying to speak with these people. Thousand dollars a night um, uh, per couple, per couple. Um, and uh, so, no, thank you. Kind of weird, but you know, whatever yeah, you do, what you yeah. can. <laughs> yeah, mention mention uh, the Web Crawlers podcast. Get twenty percent off uh, on your tour. Yes. Yeah, and, that's actually uh, our new our new sponsor. Uh, the the code <laughs> is Webcrawlers twenty, and uh, if you sign up, you will get twenty percent off. Uh, Josh's gallivanting ghost tour. Yeah, ghoulish gallivanting. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There really aren't a lot of great G words to work with, unfortunately, for tours. No, but uh, we we use what we could. Yeah, absolutely, Josh. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Uh, we oh, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy that Halloween episode and I hope you guys have a safe, a safe and happy Halloween and, he- <laughs> and healthy. I am Allie Siegel. I am Melissa Joshanatic Stedman. <laughs> and I'm producer Maria Paper Mache Mask Blasucci. Yeah. Bye, baby. Bye.
powered by ACAST. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.